0: I'm going to talk to you this morning. We've been talking about um, just uh, the tenets of our faith. Why do we believe what we believe? Do you? Why do you believe what you believe? Is it just because that was what you were brought up in? Maybe you, gr- maybe you grew up in the church. Maybe you didn't grow up in the church. Maybe your mom and daddy taught you all the things you need to know. Maybe your mom and daddy didn't teach you anything. Uh, everybody in here has got a different story. Uh, but you need to understand at some point, uh, and I told you all that I have told my kids this and everybody, you are not going to get into heaven on your mama's coattails. You're not going to get into heaven on your daddy's coattails. You're not going to get into heaven on anybody else's merit, only your own merit. You see, here is the, uh, the interesting thing, and the, this can be the, the exciting thing but also the scary thing, is one day we are all going to stand before the Lord Jesus Christ and there won't be anybody standing with you. You're going to stand by yourself, and you will, we will all have to answer, what did you do with my son? It's not going to be how many sins did you commit. It's not going to be any of that. It's going to be what did you do with my son Jesus Christ. You see, because... Uh, You being saved, you getting to heaven has nothing to do with uh, whether you've sinned too much, not enough, uh, all of those things. Uh, You getting into heaven has to do with one thing, and that's whether you have accepted Jesus Christ as your personal Lord and Savior. Because you see, there's only one thing that will get you into heaven, and there's only one thing that covers my sin and your sin, and that is the blood of Jesus Christ. Amen? And so you must understand that it will be you will answer individually. Uh, It won't matter how good your mom and dad did bringing you up. Uh, Listen, that's that was their job. But guess what? If you're grown now, their job is over. They did the best they could. But there's a thing that you and I have to deal with once we become adults, and once you get to the age of accountability. And there is no certain age of that. The age of accountability is simply when are you old enough to understand it, comprehend it, and make a decision for yourself. And once you've heard the truth of the gospel. You become, and once you can comprehend it, you are responsible for it, all right? And uh, there will be nobody to answer for you. If you are old enough to understand, then uh, you are responsible to it. And you have what we call a free will, All right, I did the best job I could. I raised three. Many of you in here, you've raised more than that. Some have raised less than that. But I raised three, and I did the best I could to teach them everything about the Lord, to bring them up in the Lord's ways. But guess what? At some point, and I told my kids this as they got to be preteens and teenagers, is guess what? You, at some point, this has to be your faith, not my faith. Now, until you get to be 18 years old, until you get out of this house, you're under my roof. It's my job to be your parent, not to be your best friend. It's my job to raise you in the ways of the Lord. But guess what? At some point, you will either accept it or reject it on your own. It will be your own free will. All right? And uh, that free will, it's a wonderful thing, but it's also a terrible thing. Because you can do the best job you can raising your kids, but guess what? At the end of the day, they still have a free will. They can still choose to go their own way. They can still choose to say, Lord, I don't accept you. I reject you. I don't want to live for you. That sounds too boring. I got too many other things I want to do with my life. And so, Lord, I choose to to not pay attention to you right now. Now, many of you would say, well, I don't reject the Lord. Listen, there's only two things. You either are accepting him or rejecting him, all right? You're either giving him your life totally and completely and saying, Lord, come and be the Lord of my life, be in control of my life, or you are rejecting him, all right? You reject him by simply ignoring him. Most people in here would not say, well, I, I'm not rejecting the Lord. You wouldn't think that you're rejecting. Listen, if you're ignoring him, you're rejecting him. If you are ignoring him, you are rejecting him, all right? And here's the thing. Many people want to give this statement. Well, if God's a loving God, God would not send people to hell. That is a true statement because God doesn't send anybody to hell. In fact, God did the exact opposite. He said, I'm going to have to provide a way for people to have forgiveness of their sins. So I'm going to send my son, Jesus, to be the final sacrifice and to spill his blood so that people don't have to go to hell. So guess what? God does not send anybody to hell. If you end up in hell, it will be because of your own rejection of what the Lord did for you. He provided every one of us a way out. I can say unequivocally, everybody in here, your sins are paid for. Everybody in this room, your sins have been totally and completely paid for. The only thing that you have to do from that point forward is accept it. All right. He provided the free gift of salvation. Now it's up to you. You either accept it and say, Lord, I believe you did that for me. And right now I ask you, Jesus, to be the Lord of my life. And how do you reject it? By simply ignoring it. Now many people have rejected the Lord not by saying it out loud, but simply by saying, "Mm, I, I got other things to do. Lord, I'm a young person right now. I got so many wild oats I want to sow. I got so many other things in the world I want to do. Anybody here been there besides me? Yeah, you get in those uh, teenager years, those 20s, and you just got you got way too much fun you want to have to be paying attention to the Lord. I'm here to tell you, you need to come run into the Lord as quick as you can. There is nothing, there is no greater testimony than the person who says, "You know what? I served the Lord all my life. I never wandered away from Him." Amen. Uh, don't don't I hear many people say, "Well, I, don't, I ain't got a good testimony. I need to go out and I need to rob some banks and kill some people, and uh, I need to snort some stuff up my nose, and I need to drink enough to ruin my liver, and uh, then I'll have a really good testimony." Do not do that, amen. Uh, the greatest testimony you can have is to say, "You know what? I've always served the Lord with all my life," amen. And so uh, please do that. All right, uh, come run into the Lord. Don't wait another day. It's never too late, but it's never too early. Either, all right. So we are in a spiritual warfare. I'm going to answer questions today that you may have about spiritual warfare. I hope that at least one of these answers a question for you today. All right. Uh, first of all, let me say we are in a spiritual war, whether you recognize it or not. Every day you get up, the Bible states that Satan wants to what? Steal, kill, and destroy. Do those sound like warfare terms? They do to me. Every day you get up as a Christian, Satan hates you. Now, why does he hate you? Because you're such a a bad person? No. He hates you because you have the name of Christ upon you. If you're a saved individual, he hates you because you have God's name on you. All right? And he hates anything that is of God. All right? And so you've got to understand that you are at war. The minute your feet hit the floor every morning, you are at war with the devil. Now, it will go a lot easier for you if you'll just recognize it's a battle every day when you get up. All right? Uh, A lot of people don't realize they're in a war, and so guess what? If you don't realize you're in a battle in a war, you're pretty much going to lose it because you don't even realize you're in it, all right? So the best way to have victory over Satan, the best way to have victory in your Christian life is to recognize Every day when you get up, the devil hates me. He's trying to steal from me, kill me, destroy me. Anything good in my life he wants to get rid of, and I need to get ready to fight him. You know those verses that talk about putting on the full armor of God? That's exactly what you and I need to be doing every single morning. Amen? So we need to understand that. Uh, There's two things that are happening. First, spiritual warfare is getting much more intense as Satan attacks become bolder and bolder and bolder. The second thing that's happening is too many Christians are not taking spiritually warfare seriously or even believe that such a war is going on. Can I say this to you today? Sound the alarm. Sound the alarm. We are in a spiritual war, and guess what you can do? The best thing you can do today, and I, hopefully this will help today, is know your enemy. Amen. Know your enemy. In every war that the United States has been involved in, They always train the American soldiers to know how the enemy thinks. What are the enemy's ploys? What do they do? What are their tactics? How do they operate? How do they do war? Why? Why do you need to know how the enemy's doing war? Shouldn't they be practicing on what they're going to do for war? No, because you are going to be much smarter and you will be able to defeat your enemy the more that you know your enemy and know what their tactics are. All right? So, First question, all right, and you can write these down or you can just uh, uh, take picture of the the screen up there, all right. Number one, how does Satan attempt to deceive the world? Each one of these, I believe, or just about everyone has a scripture. Uh, the scripture here is Revelation twelve nine. How does Satan attempt to deceive the world? It says, so the great dragon was cast out, that serpent of old, called the devil and Satan, who deceives the whole world. He was cast to the earth. And his angels were cast out with him all right now can i say this there's a lot of people and they want to say is it really a hell is there really a devil yeah there it is right there all right in black and white what i find with a lot of christians is everybody wants to believe in heaven but nobody wants to believe in hell everybody wants to believe in god and jesus but nobody wants to believe in satan and his demons because that just that makes me uncomfortable you start talking about all that supernatural and spiritual warfare and all that stuff that just makes me uncomfortable well guess what you need to get uncomfortable all right and you need to understand you cannot have one without the other if you're going to deny that there really is a devil there it is right out of the bible itself called the devil and satan if you really want to deny that there really is a place called hell Take that Bible, there's a garbage can right over there, and just chunk it in the garbage. Because you can't take part of it and believe only the parts you want and leave the other part out. Amen? Just because it makes you uncomfortable. My job is to preach the truth at you, not make you comfortable. My my job is to tell you, uh, proclaim the word of truth and not care how it makes you feel. If it makes you feel uncomfortable, that's called the Holy Spirit. He's making you uncomfortable for a reason, okay? So the first question, how does Satan attempt to deceive the world? Satan's last and greatest deception will be to bring the Antichrist to the world at the end. This is all in Revelation. You can read it. Uh, uh, His last and greatest deception will be to bring the Antichrist to the world at the end of the age. He will disguise himself as a peacemaker who uses persuasive speech and manifests supernatural powers just like Jesus did. Now, let me tell you something about Satan. Satan really doesn't have any great power on his own. You know the, only, the main tactic of Satan. See, there's one thing you don't know, say, or maybe you do know. Satan wants to be God. The whole reason he got cast out of hell is because he wanted to be God, all right? So the greatest tactic that Satan has, he really doesn't have much power on his own. All he does is watch what God does, and he's a copycat. All right, And he copies what God does and tries to make his own version of it. So at the end of the age, when the end of this world is getting ready to come, the Antichrist is going to come into power and guess what he's going to use all of the same things and he's the the bible says that satan has the ability to disguise himself as an angel of light so when antichrist shows up he's going to look great everybody's going to just be falling at his feet because he's going to bring world peace and he's going to have great persuasive speech he's going to be a wonderful wonderful speech giver You ever notice uh, how good some of those politicians are at giving speeches? Amen. He's going to have what we call a smooth tongue. Amen. And everybody will be amazed at this man. And the first half of the tribulation, they're going to be amazed because he's going to do all of these wonderful supernatural things. And he's going to use things just like Jesus did, supernatural powers and persuasive speech. Okay? So that's what he's going to do. Satan often hides out. And this is what you've got to understand. Satan often hides out in religion and in church. Amen. You know where Satan loves to hang out the most? Now, many of you thought when you walked in those doors today that you were going to leave Satan outside that door. Guess what? You know where Satan likes to hang out the most? Right here. Amen. Amen. (laughs) Now, here's the thing you've got to understand. Satan loves to hang out in the church. I have had, I've had a lot of people say to me, well, you know, I can't come back to church. Somebody hurt my feelings. Well, by golly, you better get tough, buttercup, amen, because somebody's going to hurt your feelings all the time. The devil will make somebody say something that hurts your feelings. He wants to divide this body. He wants to divide and conquer the kingdom of God. Why are there so many church splits? Why do so many brothers and sisters can't get along? Why do so many brothers and sisters just keep uh, fighting and there's fighting and there's talking behind people's back instead of loving one another? That's the devil. The devil gets in and he wants to divide and he wants to conquer, all right? All right, number two, how does Satan stir up division in the body of Christ? All right, so while we're on this subject, How does he do it? How does he stir up division between you and me? Listen, here's what Satan has the ability to do. He has the ability to let me say something uh, to Terry. I'll say something to Terry, and I mean it one way, and I'm trying to be nice, and I'm being complimentary to Terry. But guess what the devil will do? He'll take what I say, and between my mouth and Terry's ears, he'll twist it. And he'll twist it just enough for Terry to be able to say, I wonder what he meant by that. I I didn't like that. You know, I don't like the way he said that. Or it could even not be what I said. It could be my tone. He said, Brother Mark said that, but I, I just really didn't like his tone. Amen. The devil wants to divide us. He does not want us to stand together because we are stronger together. How many people today say, I love the Lord and I read the Bible, but I don't go to church anymore? Listen, you need to understand, you need the church. The church is here for you. The church is to build you up and make you strong. If you're sitting at home on Sunday morning, you are outside of the will of God. Can I say that to those watching on video, amen? Uh, If you're sitting at home watching on video, that's wonderful. I'm glad that we have the technology that you can watch this at home. But if you're not sick and you're sitting at home, you need to be in the house of God, amen? You need to be be actively in part of a body of believers because that's what Christ called us to do so that we can build each other up and we're much stronger together, amen? So we must be stronger together. Uh, He stirs up Satan's strategy is always to to divide and conquer. In heaven, what did Satan do? He got one-third of the angels to follow him. And guess what? If you, if you know the story, the Satan and one-third of the angels were cast out of heaven, okay? All right? And then it says uh, Satan was able to make Cain and Abel hate one another. And you remember, there was murder. All right? Uh, then there was a, a story in the New Testament about Ananias and Sapphira and god gave them greed or satan gave them greed in their heart and so they were trying to to make a decision between god and money and they chose money and uh, god had to take care of them right there amen um listen the devil will use suspicion intolerance hatred jealousy criticism talk and gossip now the church has gotten a bad reputation that we're haters Now, this culture has come up with some of the stupidest things I've ever heard in my life. Because our culture today says, well, if I don't agree with you, I hate you. Well, that's the stupidest thing you'll ever hear in your life. I've disagreed with many people, some in my own family. I've disagreed with brothers and sisters in Christ. I've disagreed with people that I love dearly. And I don't hate them, I love them, but we're not always going to see eye to eye. And there's a word that's used called intolerant. Listen, if I don't agree with you, I'm not intolerant of you. I'm just saying we don't agree, but we can agree to disagree, amen? And so I need, to, I need you to understand something. If a drunk walks through that back door and he's drunk as he walks through that back door, I say, come on in, brother, come on in, sister. There is no greater place for you to be than the house of God. My job is not to judge him. My do- job is not to condemn him. My job is not to tell him how terribly, he- My job is to say, I love you, I love you, I love you. Come in, and maybe Jesus can help us get things straightened out. Amen? Uh, listen, if somebody comes in that door and they're they living a homosexual lifestyle, I say, welcome, welcome, welcome. You are welcome. Come on in. Now, listen, I'm not going to tell you that your lifestyle you're living in is not wrong. I'm not going to stop preaching the word of God. I'm not, not, not going to give you the truth of God. But guess what? My job is not to condemn you. My job is not to judge you. My job is to love you, love you, love you. Amen? And by the way, that sin's no worse than the sin you're doing, doing at home. Amen? Sin is sin. We want to do these classifications, but guess what? The greatest place any sinner needs to be is walking through that door, coming in the house of God. Amen? And you better say amen because guess what? You're a sinner. You're a sinner. You're a sinner. You're a sinner. sinner. I'm a sinner. We're all sinners, and we're all in need of the grace and mercy of God. We all deserve hell. We all deserve to go there, but God has provided us mercy and grace. Can I get an amen? All right. And so my job is not to judge the sinner when they come in the door. In fact, your job and my job should be to go out and say, "Oh, you're in you got sin in your life? You you're going to fit right in. I know all these other people sitting out here and you're going to fit right in. Come on in." Amen. That's what we're here for. I heard it said like this one time. The church is meant to be a hospital for sinners. We've made it into a spa. We've made it into a spa for saints. Oh, well, don't come in here until you've got your act together. Don't come in here until you've got everything looking straight. Don't come in here until you can live your life a certain way. And that's not the way it is. It, this should be a hospital for sinners, and we need to say, you're hurt, you're wounded, come on in. We will bandage you up, and we will try to get you well. Amen. That's what we need to do. Amen. All right, number three. Oh, I'm sorry. I forgot a scripture there. John 10, 12. It says, but a hireling... He who is not the shepherd, one who does not own the sheep, sees the wolf coming, leaves the sheep and flees, and the wolf catches the sheep and he scatters them. That's exactly what the devil wants to do. He's the wolf, we're the sheep, and he wants to scatter us. Have you ever seen, you ever watch National Geographic or one of those Animal Planet or one of those shows? You ever seen how lions hunt or hyenas hunt or uh, any of those carnivores when they're hunting? What do they do? what is their strategy when lions they hunt like a pack and what are they looking for they're looking for the weakest member of the herd and they want that weakest member of the herd to get away from the pack once they're able to get that weakest one away from the pack it's weak it's vulnerable it's away from the herd listen your enemy the devil is like a roaring lion seeking whom he may devour guess what when you get out of church When you are away from this body of believers, you're weak. You're vulnerable. You are vulnerable to the enemy, and he wants to devour you. All right? And it's no different. It works the same way in God's kingdom as in the animal kingdom. The enemy is looking for the weak and the vulnerable who has separated themselves from the herd. All right? This is your herd there is strength in numbers. You know how you know how all of those animals the only defense they have against all those lions and the things that are trying to kill them is to stay together. Stay together, strengthen one another. Everybody keep your head on a swivel. We're watching for the enemy. Amen. That's how they stay alive. All right? Guess what? It's the same way here. But if you say I don't need church, I can read my Bible at home. Yes, you can read your Bible at home. But guess what? You're missing a key component. A key component is that we are here to build one another up, encourage one another, make each other stronger, all right? All right, number three, what are some ways that we give ground to the enemy? First Peter 5, 8. Be sober, be vigilant, because your adversary the devil walks about like a roaring lion seeking whom he may devour, all right? The lion devours the weak one. And uh, who wanders away from the herd? Go back to that scripture that we just left. Two words at the beginning. You want to know how to stay away from the enemy? You want to know how to fight the enemy? Be sober. Now, I say the word sober, most of you want to equate it to that, amen? But guess what? Be sober means that could do anything that you struggle with. Stay away from it, don't let it get you drunk. And guess what? It's not just alcohol. that gets you drunk. Every sin, everything that you can become addicted to, it affects your mood. It affects the way you do. That's why people do it, all right? If sin weren't fun, nobody do it, all right? Yes, it's fun, all right? But guess what? It will kill you in the end. So it says stay away from the things that you need to stay away from. Be sober. Be vigilant. What does vigilant mean? Just what I said, keep your head on a swivel. Be looking for the enemy. Get up in the morning and understand Satan wants to kill me today. Have your head on a swivel. Be watching for him. Can I tell you this? And I know Brother Martin would back this up. I worked with young people many, many years. And I would say the thing that affects young people and gets them off track with God the most is who they hang around, who they choose. And many people can't ever give that up. I've had many drug addicts, many alcoholics say, I just can't leave it. And it's not necessarily the alcohol or the drugs, but these are my real friends. That's a lie from the devil. Those are not your real friends. The minute that you stop doing the alcohol and the drugs, they don't want you're going to convict them, and they will not want to hang around you. All right. But the hardest thing to change your life, most people, they can even for a while give up the whatever the addiction is, the alcohol or the drugs. But you know what? They can't give up. And this is this is Brother Mike's wording from years ago. Most people don't want to give up their playmates. They don't want to give up their play places, and they don't want to give up their play pretties. Most people cannot change their lives for the long term because they just can't change all that. And you've got to change it. If, you're gonna, if you've ever been uh, where you've gotten sober, that's the only way you're going to get sober. Hang out. You've got to change your entire lifestyle. You've got to change out where you hang out, who you hang out with, and what you're doing while you hang out. That's the only way you'll do it. All right? OK, number four how can i be courageous how can i be a courageous warrior for god when i feel powerless all right? I've got two scriptures on this ephesians 6 10 says finally my brethren be strong in the lord and in the power of his might and then second timothy 1 7 says for god has not given us a spirit of fear but of power and of love and of a sound mind stay right there on that scripture God has not given you a spirit of fear. Can I say this? God does not want you to fear Satan. You don't need to fear Satan. But guess what? You better be aware that he wants you to fear him. You better be aware that he wants to kill you. You better be aware that he wants your life. And guess what? The greatest thing he can do, he's not looking to make, a lot of people want to get way off on the extreme. You know, well, the devil wants to make all of us Satan worshipers. That's not his goal. All Satan really wants you to do is just get you distracted enough where you don't pay attention to God. Because he knows he's one. If he can just get you to not pay attention to God, then he's one. All right? But he is not giving you a spirit of pe- fear. And I'm going to give you these three words. Power, love, sound mind. Say those with me. Power, love, sound mind. Now power, that means your power, no, that means God's power, all right? Love, your ability to love. Listen, if you cross me, it's going to be hard for me to love you and forgive you. But the only way I have the, that kind of power and love is through the Lord Jesus Christ. To love like he loved me when I didn't deserve it, when I didn't give him a second thought, and to love him. Sound mind. Now, I've said this a lot and uh, you may get sick of hearing me say it, but I have found that common sense is not so common anymore. When you have a sound mind, you have common sense. Listen, do you not want to be an alcoholic? Stay away from the bars. Seems like it's common sense, doesn't it? But why can't people do it? You want to stay away from drugs? Stay away from people who do drugs. Stay away from those people and stay away from those places. You know where they are. If you want to do all those things, you've got to learn to have a sound mind and have some common sense. And to say, if I want my life to be different, then I have to have a sound mind. I have to do the things and set my mind on the things that are right, not on the things that are wrong. Okay? Number five, why is it important to understand the enemy? Satan's most clever strategy is to make us believe that he either does not exist or that he's not a real threat. Quite honestly, most of you in here, if I were to say, how many of you think about the devil every day? Most people would say no. And that's, a lot of that's because in the church, we teach you to think about God a lot, but we don't necessarily teach you to think about Satan. But quite honestly, you need to be thinking about Satan every day, too. You need to get up, thank God for everything that you have. But like I said before, then the next breath should be, Lord, I'm going to battle today. And I know Satan is here, and I know he's listening to me, and I know he's going to want to mess my day up. And I know that he's going to want to get me sidetracked, and I know he's going to want to affect my attitude. You know how many people are angry today? You know what one of the fastest rising problems is? Even more so than alcoholism and drug addiction, anger. So many anger management classes. So many people trying to go to counseling because they have anger issues. Amen. Why are we so angry? Why are we so angry? Because we have not learned to live in the peace of the Lord. We have not learned to live in the peace of the Lord. Listen, Satan wants to make you angry. Do you remember reading what the fruits of the Spirit are? Peace, love, patience, kindness. Do you see any part of anger in any of that? No. No. So guess what? You know where those things come from? If they don't come from God, there's only one other source. All that's from Satan. You can, you can know the Bible backwards and forwards, but if you are an angry, bitter person, nobody's going to want to be around you, and nobody really cares. Nobody really cares how knowledgeable you are if you're not loving people. Amen. And if you are an angry, bitter person and the way that you want to win people to Jesus is beat them over the head with the word of God and slap them with a big 10-pound Bible, you ain't going to win nobody. All people are going to say is, that's an angry, bitter person. So it doesn't doesn't really matter. Paul said it this way. If I do all of these things but I don't have love... I'm like a clanging cymbal. I'm just making a lot of noise. For the greatest of these is love. If you, don't do, if you don't do these things with a spirit and a heart of love, then you're a clanging cymbal. All right? All right. Last, but no, sorry, one scripture there that I already read it, 1 John five nineteen. We know that we are of God, and the whole world lies under the sway of the wicked. We'll leave that up for a second. Many people want to say, well, I'm angry at God because why doesn't God just make this world perfect, no sin, and, you know, why does there have to be bad in the world? Why can't God just make it all easy for us? You have to understand, you need to go back and you need to read your Bible from the front all the way to the end, all right? Because what you need to understand is there is good and there is evil, all right? All right. And God said, I created this world. I allow things to happen on this world. But you know who really has a lot of the power of what happens here on earth? The ugly stuff that happens. Look at that verse again. We know that we are of God, and the whole world lies under the sway of the wicked one. You ever seen that before? The whole world lies under the sway of the wicked one. Why does Satan get so much victory and why are so many th- things so ugly here? Because God has a kingdom and it is not of this world. Amen. Satan has a kingdom and guess what? A big part of it is of this world. Amen. So God says, I created all this, but guess what? This is not my kingdom. And this is not your home. Your home is heaven if you belong to him. And so you need to try and survive and you need to try and tell people about my kingdom but guess what all the bad stuff that happens on here there is a reason it's because the enemy has a big chunk of the power here on earth all right the whole world lies under the sway of the wicked one all right all right number six I'm gonna give you kind of the key to the whole thing and you're gonna say brother mark that's just too simple what does it mean to be a prayer warrior come on brother mark really prayer Prayer, that is so weak. Not according to the word of God. It's the most powerful thing you can do. When it talks about putting on the full armor of God, those are not physical weapons. Those are spiritual weapons and spiritual protection. And your greatest power in the spirit is to ask God because none of it has anything to do with any kind of power that you got. It all has to do with God's power flowing through you. So guess what? You and I in spiritual warfare, we need to learn to become prayer warriors. Um, There was a movie. What was the name of that movie where the girl had a prayer closet? War Room. War Room, Room, yes. So if you've not watched it, go watch it because this is exactly what needs to be done. It was about this one lady, and she had so much effect spiritual effect on people and was it because she was a great person or she didn't know it was because she had this closet in her house and she called it her war room and when she went into her war room she had people to pray for and she had all these scriptures and she would get on her knees every single day and she would bring all of those things before the lord he says, because you have not because you ask not. And she believed that, and she prayed with fervor, and she prayed with power, and she knew that that was her greatest weapon, and she became a prayer warrior. That's a great movie. Go watch it. Amen. And that's what you and I need to become. You and I need to become prayer warriors. All right? Now, listen, I'm telling you, I'm no different than you. You may think it's different at the preacher's house, but guess what? I got the same 24 hours a day you do. And I get easily distracted. I can even get busy doing a lot of things for the Lord and never spend time with the Lord. Do you think that makes the Lord happy or that not No. Listen, if he can't have your soul, the next best thing is to make you busy and distracted. Because the greatest power you have is your personal relationship with him. And if you don't spend time with him, you have no personal relationship with him. If I stop talking to you, I'm not going to know what's going on in your life. I'm not going to have any connection to you. And after a certain period of time, I'm going to be totally disconnected from you. Guess what? Works the same way with the Lord. Works the same way. Your greatest defense and your greatest answer in all of this is to be a prayer warrior. Uh, put that last slide up there. I don't know if you've ever thought about it this way, but look at prayer this way. And I I think this is a great way to look at it. Prayer is hand-to-hand combat with Satan. Whatever evil the devil wants to do, his plan is much more difficult to complete when God's people are praying. If my people, which are called by my name, shall humble themselves and turn from their wicked ways, then shall I hear from heaven and I will heal their land. It's the greatest, most powerful thing you and I can do. But yet, it's the hardest thing for us to get to. We get so distracted. And I want to encourage you today, change it, change it, change it. If you would, uh, bow your head and close your eyes. Uh, Jordan, could you come and just kind of strum, play it a little bit? Maybe today you say, Brother Mark, I I am not where I need to be with the Lord. I have wandered far away from Him. That's okay today. I would tell you it's okay. The Lord is always waiting with His arms open wide for us to come back to Him. So I want to invite you today. If that's you, you say, Brother Mark, I I don't know where I'm at with the Lord. I just know I, I feel way far away from Him. You can pray this prayer in your heart and your mind. I want to invite you to pray with me and say, Dear Jesus, I know that I'm a sinner and, Lord, I believe you died on the cross for my sins. And right now, the best way I know how, I ask you, Jesus, to come into my heart, forgive me my sins, and to save me. Now, if you would, keep your head bowed and your eyes closed. If you prayed that prayer today for the first time, second time, or maybe it was a hundredth time, I don't want to embarrass you, but I would like to pray for you. Would you just lift up a hand and let me know you prayed that prayer today? We're going to have an invitation here, and Brother Martin is going to be uh, on this side. I'm going to be on the other side if you need somebody to pray for you. But I just want to encourage you, the altar is open. So if you need to come today and just pray and say, Lord, I need you, and Lord, I need to be a prayer warrior. I need to change some things in my life. You can come and you can just lay that down at the altar today. Father, I pray that you'd have your will and your way in this place today. Move in our hearts and our lives in Jesus' name amen. If you would, stand with me. The prayer uh, altar is open. Brother Martin's there. I'm over here. If you need to get saved, if you need to come and uh, join the church, if you need to come and recommit yourself, you come today, all right? Martin, if you would, and any, uh, anybody that's going to uh, to uh, camp with uh, Brother Martin, we want to pray over you guys. Y'all don't be shy. Come on. You don't have to say nothing. Brother Martin, will, you can go stand right next to Brother Martin. He, we won't make you say anything. But if you're going to camp, I want you to go. And uh, of course, we have some that are uh, not here this morning that are going to camp. How many do we have total going? About 22 going this morning. Uh, so hey, amen. Yeah. So... I want these guys to know that we are going to be praying for them this week, that God's going to do amazing things. God does amazing things in our lives at camp. Uh, I didn't get saved at camp, but I surrendered to the ministry at camp. I know God uh, does a lot of things, like kids make life changing decisions at camp. So, Would you commit with me to pray for them this week? Amen. And I want to ask you if you want to, if you've got a a kid up here, or if you just want to come and uh, just come, and I'm going to lay hands on them. And uh, if you want to come and do that, uh, especially uh, parents, if you want to come and uh, pray for your child that's going or just anybody that wants to. And this is how we're going to close today, all right? We're going to close by praying over these young people and especially for brother martin that brother martin don't lose his mind amen um brother martin's got a everybody look he's got a full head of hair we want, you know, we want <laughs> it's the <laughs> but it's there amen and we want to pray that he's still got a full head of hair when he comes back amen and uh we just want to pray that they'd have a, a wonderful wonderful time amen so let's pray for them and then we're going to be dismissed father we love you today We want to pray for Brother Martin and all these young people and everyone that's going to camp. God, I just pray that, Lord, you would move in an incredible way. Holy Spirit, I pray that you'd be with the speaker and the band and everybody that's going to do uh, anything involved at that camp in leadership. God, Holy Spirit, use them. Give them the words that they need to speak. I pray that the messages would be exactly what these young people need to hear. And, Lord, I pray that, God, uh, you would just every person, every one of these young people that's going would they make decisions that would alter and would change And would set the course for the rest of their lives to live for you. God, there's nothing greater than a young person on fire for the Lord. And said, I'm going to serve the Lord with all my life. I'm not going to waste any of it. And so, Lord, I pray that, God, you would just uh, be with them. Give them safety as they travel. Get them safely there. Keep them safe while they're there. And then bring them safely back home to us. Lord, we love you. Thank you. Bless these young people. And uh, give them a great week. And uh, help Brother Martin. I pray that everything would go smooth. Everybody behave. And everybody act smart not stupid and do good things amen in jesus name and everybody said amen, amen. all right god bless you guys all right miss cindy's got an announcement real
1: quick we're going fishing for vacation bible school we're fishing for souls and i would like to have a church-wide visitation where you pick up four four sheets back there inviting four families to send their children to Vacation Bible School. I want you to go fishing in your neighborhood or at your job where you know there are children at that maybe live in even in this area. I'm not asking you if you live at Lake Palestine to take and invite, but maybe you know somebody at church. Or maybe you want to stop by a nearby um, business and post one. Um, I just ask that each of you do your part and go fishing for Jesus this week. Thank you. Amen.
0: Our goal is to have as many. uh, We want to have more kids than we've ever had for VBS. But guess what? That means we all need to go fishing a little bit. Amen. So those sheets are back there. God bless you. Y'all have a great rest of your Sunday. Amen. Amen.